0: Delsing spent 25 years on the PGA Tour and is a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Now he provides his unique perspective as a golfer and network broadcaster. It's time to go on the range with Jay Delsing. On the range is brought to you by 20 Minutes to Fitness.
1: Good morning, St. Louis. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay Purley. Good morning. Good morning, Jay. Ready to roll here. How you doing over there? We. We've got some some fun uh, things to talk about this show. We got an interview with Hank Haney.
2: Fantastic!
1: Yeah, um, man, I you know when you Google somebody and you pull up their page, it's just impressive. He's in the um, the Texas Golf Hall of Fame and the Teachers Hall of Fame, among other things.
2: Multiple times been teacher of the year and things like that. And front and center in uh, teaching golf golf instructing news for as far back as I can remember.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've got uh, an episode of Whack and Chase, and we've got, um I'm calling this a let's be more accurate on our facts. Oh, boy, sort of show. that
2: is a slippery slope. More. Very slippery slope. It's, not, it's, not, it's, it's written that, down, and you're just going to exa- read it for Exactly.
1: It's not really that hard to be more because no. we've been— pretty much less yeah, up I, until this I st- point.
2: I still get a little concerned with that commitment, but I yeah. see you have them written down, so yeah. that's okay. And reading list. has always been challenging anyway. So, Meets um, here to double-check and yeah, edit your reading. Right,
1: that's right. All right. So um, we got to talk just a little bit about this driver testing and tell people what's going on on tour with the driver testing, okay? So it's a complete cluster out on tour. Um, so... Basically, what's happening is these manufacturers, Callaway, TaylorMade, Titleist, etc., they're making these drivers, and then they have to be sent, or they're supposedly tested, to make sure about how thick the face is, Pearl, and how much it trampolines the ball off. The USGA and the RNA have come up with uh, some guidelines.
2: Yeah, are the, they telling anybody what the guidelines are? No. Okay, perfect. And are a good they, start. And how,
1: are the, how, how do you think the players are, are jumping
2: in with this? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're <laughs> jumping out of it. Yeah, they don't like change. They yeah. don't like to be told what to do. They right. don't like restrictions. They don't want to be told what club to hit. So probably not well. Yeah, so
1: uh, earlier in the year, they had a little thing where they sent memos out to the players saying, Hey, look. You know, this is, just come on by, we'll test your stuff, and we'll let you know how they all did. How many players do you think swung by? Hopefully none. Zero. Hopefully none. Not not one player swung by. So then they said, all right, so now we've got to start randomly because we want want to be fair. Come on
2: down to the police station and let's just have a chat. There's really nothing wrong, but we thought we just should have a chat.
1: Well, the funny thing is, though, John, is that none of the players are responsible for what their drivers are, you know, whether they're conforming or not, they're in terms of how they were built, they didn't tell the manufacturer, hey, build me something illegal. But they are responsible
2: if to not play. play
1: with something that's that, yeah. that conforms.
2: They just can't know.
1: Right, right.
2: So I don't see a problem here. I think it's no, so a biggest, great start.
1: So the biggest thing that what happened is um last year, uh two days before the British Open, um Xander Shoffley's driver was deemed illegal.
2: Two days before the British Open I knew there was a reason the little guy hit it so far.
1: Yeah, he was uh He's ticked,
2: yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? You know, it's uh, you know, Hedrick Stenson went through and you know, well documented with his, his three wood he used all those years. And you say, and I guess it finally cracked or something kind of gave way. And you say, oh, well, why doesn't the manufacturer just make another one the same? It doesn't work that it way, it does not it's work like that way. That putter, the Scotty Cameron, well, just get another one of those Scotty cameras. There's something about it, and I can't. So, just a perspective or the, how the grip feels but it's two clubs are not the same No, and when you're completely relying on that one as Hendrick did for all those years and then the, the factory says here's 10 more we made exactly the same and he he played for weeks obviously it paid off he won down at Hero so and he hit a lot of three ones down there and a lot of really good ones but uh, yeah it's you're playing with these guys' heads they don't like it I think baseball players with their bats to some degree now, obviously a bat's not going to last very long for a whole lot of reasons but some had a certain feel no, there's, there's no question.
1: I remember when I cracked my the Great Big Bertha, I bet I hit 70 drivers, and I, I, I wound up going to a different brand. I couldn't get the same feel. But of the first 30 tested, Pearl, eight of them were illegal.
2: Can we get this to my country club to where uh, we can get uh, people <laughs> tested? Because, again, I, I just see some of these guys hitting way too far, and I know it's not their swing. Yep. I mean, that's what matters to me. I don't care about these guys. Who yeah, cares? That's right, right, that's right. They're not taking $2 <laughs> couple from you are a guys on the you're, you're, you're playing with, they hit it short, but they'd hit it shorter. Just well, imagine ca- like if if uh, it, the she's uh, hit another 15, 20 yards shorter. I think you should try the trampoline effect on his uh his Oh, there's
1: no question about that. There's no question about that.
2: It's not conforming in anyway.
1: I can remember, and I told this story before, but when I played with Jim Thorpe at the Phoenix Open, you were standing right. You might have even been kidding for me. He got up on the 16th hole and hit this. He said to me, I got two shots today. I got a duck hook and a double duck hook. And he hits this double duck hook that misses the green left, and it scoots about 20 yards over the green to this back left Whole location And he hits this little zipper off that. We were playing back in, oh, man, that was in either January or February. So all that grass was yeah. all burnt out back It was dormant. Mm-hmm. And he hit this little low spinner. The greens were hard as a rock and hit it back up there a couple of feet. And he walked up to the green, and, I, and I, I said, hey, Jim, nice shot. And I said, let me see the grooves of that wedge. And he said something that we can't <laughs> air on the, on the TV <laughs> or the radio. But he said... Uh, no, it,
2: uh, he would have been, it, been disappointed if you wouldn't ask to see him. That's right. He was I a mean, good guy.
1: I can promise you that the uh, the 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 grooves in his sandwich could have cut your finger. I mean,
2: they were... So they, they weren't conforming no. either. That was back in the day. We've, uh, we've talked about that a little yeah. bit in the past. Back in the day when they had the whole battle, you'd think they would have learned something from the groove battle. Right. They apparently have not, and now we're going to go through the trampoline effect battle. Right. There's only millions and millions of dollars line here in yeah. Ego, so I can't imagine how this is going to go sideways.
1: No, not at all. So um, let's go on. So here's where we're going into some stats, and this is right I'm up here. i just getting here, warmed up on that subject. You're going to move me on. Okay, I know, let's, no, go. let's go. we What are we doing? What's the stats here? keep going. So, Rookie of the Year. Any surprise to you? We had seven first-time winners, but none of those guys were the Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year went to Sanjay M. He was 191 under par in 35 starts in the PGA Tour as a rookie.
2: Wow. He didn't win. I wasn't aware. How much money did he make? A lot. (laughs) Perfect. Now that's the right kind of number we need to throw that's around. That's right. In the show. Don't go throwing more questions at me. I only have these stats that I wrote down. Rookies, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know. You got your stats down there, but I. Oh man, I'm always afraid to ask a question. Quit asking me questions, dude. All right. I'm going to my next (laughs) tag. You ready? I'm going to have another question for you in a second. (laughs) Me, can you cut his mic? (laughs) All right, so we're going drive for dough and putt for show. You know, for years and years I was talking about it didn't matter how how you you drove, you just needed to putt. Well, um, we're talking about the strokes gain category. That's part of the new, um, you know, all of these metrics that have come up in the game. And um, the top ten money winners – were 31.5 strokes gained off the tee with a 303.7 yard average. In accuracy, they ranked 100, they averaged 105th on tour in accuracy. So that means they're smashing the hell out of it, not straight. Okay? Um, strokes gained putting in the average, top, the average for the top 10 money winners in strokes gained putting was 58th. With only one of the top ten cracking the the top twenty in putting. Howard. what?
3: I, we gotta
2: dig into these numbers sometimes. I don't it sounds like a whole lot of subjective coming up with any of those anyway. You can't hit it in the trees and out of bounds and bombing it and still shoot well. So there must be some kind of a of a miss factor that needs to be involved in that that number as well. I'm not giving up on putting's the most important.
1: Oh, I, I'm totally agreeing with you. But when I saw this these stats, I was like, "What?" Yeah.
2: I- Maybe we'll have a uh, bring a statistician in here and uh, dig into the numbers. On. Meet Mar- hey, uh, hey, mark who is somebody? Down, who you? is somebody you could get from the from the tour? Where 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 did you get those numbers from? Uh, this is from Golf
1: ask. Week, and I, I, I got a, I wrote a, I saw him on a no I got him on a, Golf, Golf Week. Week yeah, but seriously, let's, yep. let's
2: get the Golf Week uh, guy that does the numbers and let's uh, let's dig into it a little bit. Maybe we can help straighten him out a little bit.
1: All right. Well, so check this out. This is one of your one of your um, <laughs> one of your favorite players.
2: No, my favorite player. <laughs>
1: Cameron Champ. Yep. All right. Set a record this year for smashing it off the tee. Okay. Um, he set the record for the most drives of 320 yards or more. Oh, wow. And be Bubba Watson's had the old record. Um, how many drives of 320 yards or more do you think he hit?
2: Are They count every drive every week, Jay. Or is it I guess just,
1: I guess they they must be now because of shot length, being able to. They okay. Have to so it's not yep. just the one or two holes right. like, like the, it back used in, to be. Back in your yep. day, boy. Anyway, I know it's four hundred and fifty. Yeah, three hundred and forty-five. Pretty close. For, I know.
2: For, close it up for this show, and,
1: and he, he oh, way way <laughs> good for this show. Even with you know he had mid midseason back injury where he didn't play a few events. Um, he he, uh, Bubba Bubba Watson set the record in 'o six, but. Um, Just crazy. He won the driving distance um, competition. He averaged 317.9 yards off the tee. 4.4 yards longer than Rory McIlroy.
2: Well, I think his, uh, the one win, right? Was it just one win this year for him? Yeah. Uh, the one win came with something like a 347-yard drive on the last hole, a par five, and then I think hit an eight-iron in or yeah. something like they were debating whether he should have a seven or eight, and he hit the eight-iron pin high and won that. So he not only had the longest drive, but he also had, we had some great yeah, oh yeah. personal stories this year that we've, no we've well documented, but his with his father, his grandfather, and unfortunately his grandfather passed away right after the the tournament. Uh we talked about you know how private or not private it should have been that right. kind of stuff, but it certainly was emotional and it, and it's uh, there was a lot of neat parts of his story.
1: Yeah, and then the last little stat tidbit that we're going to give for the show today was on Jordan Spieth. He had his one of his worst years on tour, four top tens, forty fourth place finish in the in the FedEx Cup. Right. He had a tie, the best finish was a tie for uh, third at the PGA Championship. Uh, pitiful stats: ranking uh, st- uh, strokes gained off the tee and his approach shots. Struggled with his long game. Easily his best year on the greens. His best year on the greens?
2: Yeah. That's oh. hard to believe.
1: He he led the tour in a uh, in a couple surprising uh, categories. Most rounds with seven or more birdies. More than he did that fifteen times. Pearl.
2: Wow, seven or more. So then birdies? he can't be that far. I'll tell you. When I saw him down in uh, at the Hero,
1: can't be that far off. Can't be that far off. Right. I mean,
2: you're, you're doing those kinds of things at the Hero. When you look at the other guys, he virtually always looked off balance. Um, and relative to this, what you and I would talk about, just that dynamic that you can kind of see in a guy's uh, swing or not see it in a guy's swing. He doesn't have that dynamic. He, it, he does it's, not. It's it 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 looks like he's always trying to hit it maybe five yards further than maybe he should or ten yards, and still you know I, I appreciate the stats you know we're we're holding him up against what he did several years ago which I think is unfair for the rest of his life because he had a a year that's of a remarkable. lifetime that's right um, but but some of the things that to me are kind of obviously is there he, there isn't that dynamic that kind of special rhythm uh, seems seems to have that off but seven birdies that many times in, in a round of golf, he can't be that far away.
1: That's, that, that, of all the stats, when I looked at that, I was holy shit. He's smokes. so talented. Really, he's, so, he's got
2: so much going. My guess is he's going to click into this other piece, and you're going to see him right up there again.
1: Yeah, I sure hope so. Well, that's going to do it for the On the Range segment. Come back. Jay and Dan will be with you. we got our Hank Haney interview. This is Golf with Jay Delsing.
2: Quick note, we just got a call from our friend Joe Schieser at USA Mortgage. He said the rates are still below 4%, and if you mention Golf with Jay Delsing, he'll give you a discount on your closing costs. Please call him today at 314-628-2015. Do you folks know about a
1: family-owned and operated jewelry business that's been in the St. Louis area since 1946? If you haven't heard the name Sutley before, well, you have now. They are the premier Hearts on Fire dealer in the metropolitan region and have been for more than 21 years. What's a Hearts on Fire diamond, you ask? It is the world's most perfectly cut diamond. The Sutleys are knowledgeable and passionate about your jewelry needs and are open six days a week. They will treat you like family and want to understand your wishes and desires. Their business thrives on developing personal relationships with you. Sully's also strive to stay on top of the latest trends and fashion with amazing selection of designer jewelry from famous designers like Lagos, Zengani, Simon G., just to name a few. It's all done at Sutley. Sully's is on the cutting edge of the diamond business featuring the lab grown diamonds that can cost 30 to 40 percent less than a mined diamond. Whether it's a hearts on fire, designer or custom jewelry, or even the new and innovative lab-grown diamonds, let Sutley Jewelers take care of all your jewelry needs. I have known this family for 45 years. Go in and see Gary, ask for Gus, ask for Laura. It's a family business, and they are terrific people. They're located in the Lamp and Lantern Village on Clayton Road, just west of Highway 141 in town and country. You can also visit them at com.
4: Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing zwickle Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban
1: Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. Prost! Let me tell you about a strength training program that helped me. And it can improve your golf game and overall fitness as well. And all it takes is 20 minutes once a week. 20 Minutes to Fitness targets the muscle groups used in golf. Because you work with a trainer on physical therapy equipment, it also reduces the chance of exercise-related injuries to almost zero. But don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. Your first session is absolutely free. 20 Minutes to Fitness is in Clayton and Chesterfield. To learn more, visit 20MinutesToFitness.com. 20 Minutes to Fitness. It works for me.
0: Grab your clubs. We're headed to the front line on golf with Jay Delsing. The Front Nine is brought to you by the Ascension Charity Golf Classic.
1: Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. We've got uh, Pearlie here with me and John. Let's go right to this interview with Hank Haney. Man, um, I guess the biggest thing, you know, Tiger Woods is a teacher for over seven years. He also had a huge influence on Mark O'Meara. He's in the, the Teaching Hall of Fame and the Texas One of the first
2: big names, you know, when he started having the names and he talks about moving, working with professionals instead of amateurs and stuff. And uh, he's got quite a history.
1: But here comes Hank Haney. There are so many things I want to ask you. But first of all, just give our listeners a little update. I know you had both of your knees done and um, uh, that's a hell of a challenge and you got to be tough to get both your knees (laughs) done at the same time
3: yeah i mean they don't do it much anymore i guess but but i, I was in pretty good shape going in I, I i swim a lot i try to swim like a, a mile a day and um play pickleball and golf so i mean i was in pretty good shape going in and um, you know i didn't want to do it twice so i did them both at the same time <laughs> it's a little it's a little rough the first couple of days but they get you up it's amazing i mean the, the day of the surgery uh in the morning and that afternoon, they get you up on your feet. And it's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just, like, hard to even even believe. But I'm, like, three weeks out, and I'm, you know, moving around pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't feel great. It, it, it hurts a little bit. But it's not, like, terrible. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, as you get older, I mean, I'm 64 years old. A lot of people face it, their knees, their hips. Knees are a little tougher than uh, hips, they say. But uh, I'm looking forward to being on the other side and you know, kind of being being pain-free. It'll be a, a, a nice, uh, nice deal. It was really tough to had a hard time playing golf. Just I had a harder time walking than anything, and uneven lies and that kind of kind of stuff. So a lot of you know the same things that, that a lot of people say that that play the game and you know have arthritis. But I feel, feel pretty good now, and I'm I'm happy I got it done, and I had a great doctor, Dr. Ted Firestone in uh, Scottsdale, and he's like one of the best, so uh, I, I feel very very confident. And he was confident going in, so it, it uh, which makes you feel good, you know. I mean, it's like, like I told my wife, I said, man, he is like the cockiest guy I've ever met. But I said I'd rather have it that way than than like uh, you know that commercial when they, they they asked the the nurse how's that doctor he said oh he's he's okay <laughs> you,
1: know,
3: you don't want okay you want good when you got to get something like this done so I appreciate you asking I'm doing good
1: that's great you know these golden years man I don't know how they got the golden in front of their they're they're tough but when do you get to hit a golf ball next
3: I well he told me I was going to be chipping and putting in, in three weeks, which, you know, I'm pretty much right there now. And, uh, you know, that's, that's okay. But, you know, it's a twisting and, and everything else. You got to, got to wait on that. But he, he thinks I'll be golfing in three months, which he's really aggressive, uh, which I like to, because, you know, he, he wants to tell people that, you know, his patients came back really fast. Uh, so I like a more aggressive approach. And I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm probably on that schedule. And I saw him yesterday and he said, yeah, he'll be, he'll be back in three months. No problem.
1: Ah, that's terrific. Well, hey, give us a little idea about um, what's going on in your world right now. Man, you've had a hell of a career that we're going to talk about a little bit, but currently, I mean, aside from the surgery, which is pretty much occupying all of your time, um, tell us what's going on in Hank's world.
3: Well, I mean, you know, I've I've got a a couple big projects. One is I'm I'm doing a podcast on iHeartRadio, which I'm really enjoying. It's a different format for me. Of course, I was on SiriusXM uh, for, uh, like, five or six years and had a, a great time there on pg tour radio i love Sirius xm uh, but you know i i, I predicted a, a korean would win the uh, uh u.s senior women's open uh, and then a, a lee would win and, and uh joe Jung lee number six won and next thing you know i, I wasn't there anymore but but uh I'm on iHeartRadio. I, I like doing podcasts. It gives you a little freedom to kind of you know talk about whatever you want. You can get more in depth in, in the interviews, and it's it's been going going really good. I want to get get you on Jay and, and uh visit with you. But but I, I mean I just I, I like doing that. My career's kind of gone full circle. I mean I, I taught touring pros for many many years. I haven't given a golf lesson, a private golf lesson honestly since I started teaching Tiger in 2004. Uh, and I haven't given a golf lesson period since I, you know, really retired in two thousand two thousand ten. 2010. So I, 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 teach, but I, you know, I teach on Twitter. I teach on my podcast. I taught on my radio show. I teach at corporate outings. I teach at charity events. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't teach day to day anymore. I, I, I teach with my you know video lessons that, you know, a million and a half people get. So I feel like I'm, I've kind of gone full circle. I've gone from, you know, you start off teaching the average player uh, or beginners, and then you are lucky enough, like I was, to, to teach touring pros for many, many years over 30 years. And then and now I've gone full circle on back uh, teaching, you know, amateurs how to play the game. I've got a new book that's uh, getting ready to, to come out and, and that I, I wrote, and I'm excited about that. And then I have a, I, um, all my uh, pain with my knees and my back. <clears throat> I started a company called Voodoo Pain Relief cream that's my product and uh, I'm doing great with that helping a lot of people I have had over 50,000 people that have been helped by my product. So, you know it's one thing to help them with their golf game it's another thing to help them with their life and it's been really a really fulfilling project for me so I got plenty to keep me busy plus on top of that uh, I have a six-year-old son Henry and he's, it's my only child so I, I'm, um, I'm at a, a time in my life when I've got a lot of time to, to spend with with him um it's interesting being 64 years old and having a, a six-year-old. I saw Curtis Strange at a, a tournament uh, a couple of years ago, and he said, "Hank," he said, "We've been friends for a long time." He said, "He said, Hank," he said, "I heard you had a kid," and I said, "Yeah, I did." And he goes, "He said, Have you done the math on that?" And I, you know, I said, yeah, but I have done the math on that. But uh, <laughs> that sounds yeah, that like keeps, Curtis. That keeps, me young. It keeps Yeah, it sounds like you've done it. Uh, it. It keeps me young, though. So it, all good. I got a lot of great stuff going on.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. So, Hank, what was it that drew you to teaching? Because for someone to be to dedicate their life to teaching like you have, it's it's uh, it had to be a special kind of calling.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, I really, really believe. I mean, I like helping people. I mean, I I I saw you know teachers that taught the game and really enjoyed it. I mean, Jim Hardy was my big mentor when I was in, in college and he just enjoyed teaching so much. I mean, it just like, I thought, wow, man, he really loves doing this. And then, you know, and, and then, you know, helping people get, get better at something it's very fulfilling. And I I don't know, I just, I I like trying to figure things out. That's always been my nature. I like trying to build things. Um, You know, I think a lot of times in, you know, in, in sports, like in coaching, a lot of the best coaches are you know they they're they're pretty good players I mean like I played in college at University of Tulsa and I had a college golf scholarship and I was all conference and you know whatever but I mean that's a million miles from playing the the PGA tour and, but I always enjoy trying to figure things out trying to get better and as soon as I got into teaching and started having the opportunity to uh, help people you know it, it, it was really fulfilling and then you know I, I got very fortunate early on in my career and had the opportunity to work with Mark O'Meara. And, you know, I mean, after that, I mean, a lot of great things happened for Hank Haney. There's, you know, no doubt about that. You know, you got, no matter how much you love something or how hard you work at something, you still have to get, uh, you have to get lucky too. And and me meeting Mark O'Meara was in my career was clearly the luckiest day of my life.
1: Oh, and Mark O'Meara is one quality human being. That's for sure. Hank, what's the hardest part about working with a tour player?
3: Well, I mean, boy, oh boy! I mean, it just all—that's <laughs> a
1: loaded I'm, one, buddy. I'm,
3: I'm, yeah, I know, but it just depends on the am a person. I mean, some people, you know, it's—it's it's their, uh, you know, attitude that's hard to, to you know get around to get them to listen. I mean, like when I helped Tiger for six years, I mean, he was a he was a fantastic student. I mean, he was like you know my my best student, my um, you know you know hardest worker i mean the the you know most fun to teach he was the most frustrating to teach he was the toughest student he was the hardest one to get to listen i mean, He he's just everything rolled into one and everybody presents some kind of challenge whether it's a it's a, a, a mental challenge they have or a physical challenge they have or um you know it's just a swing mistake that that that's difficult to, to fix but you know when you're teaching touring pros i mean they've got a balance like trying to make a living and stay on tour and keep their card and, you know, live up to expectations. So it's, it's, it's quite different than, you know, teaching at, you know, a a club level. Uh, But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, they're they're all just students and that's the way I always look at them and, you know, everybody either, you know, they either they'd either miss to the right or they miss to the left and they either hit it too high or they hit it too low. I mean there's only so many things the golf ball can do. But well, I always tried to apply the same principles to, to to everyone, but uh you know, touring pros are definitely definitely more challenging because, you know, they're it's boy, I mean, you know, their their whole life and livelihood depends on, on the shot. So you have a lot more responsibility when you're coaching a touring pro.
1: You know, Hank, you said something that I thought was really cool when I was young and I had first met you, where the golf ball gives you all the answers, doesn't it? And yeah. what it does and how it flies.
3: Yeah, that's always been my philosophy. I mean, I, I learned from John Jacobs, who was, you know, in my mind the greatest instructor the world's ever seen. He was very simple. He he, he related everything to the golf ball. You work from the golf ball back, and I, you know, I, I've always applied that in my teaching. I mean. It, I, I try to fix what the ball is doing. I don't I don't look at somebody's swing and think, okay, this is what's wrong with your swing. I just look at their shots. What is their bad shot? What's their big miss? And and I fix the fix the big miss. I mean, if you fix the big miss, the bad shot, uh, then you're gonna have a, a better better result. And you go from one miss to the next to the next. I mean, everybody's got a shot that they they hit. I, you know, for a touring pro, it might just be once or twice around. For an average player, it might, it might be, you know, every shot, they may they may slice the ball. But I've always used the golf ball as the you know, part that, that allowed me to diagnose. And then after you diagnose, okay, this is what the ball's doing, this is what the club's doing at impact to make the ball do that. And then what's, I always look and I think, okay, what's the club doing during the swing? You know, it was, it was like in my mind, it was like the person wasn't even there. But what's the club doing during the swing to cause this this ball fight pattern? And then then I, I looked and thought, okay, now what, what is that person doing with their body or their hands and arms to influence the club? And that's the approach that I always took to, to make my, my plan of attack as to, as to how I was going to fix things. So it just, but it all boils down to, you know, really what's your bad shot and fixing your biggest mess. Really, it doesn't matter what level of play you at.
1: Well, that's going to wrap up the first part of the Hank Haney interview and the front nine. Come back because on the back nine, we're going to wrap up the Hank Haney interview. And you're also going to hear a segment uh, of the leading edge. This is golf with Jay Delsing.
0: 100,000-watt blowtorch for St. Louis sports, driven by Auto Center's Nissan, home of the 30-day return. WSOS and WXOS HD1, East St. Louis, 101 ESPN.
1: Hey, welcome back. This is the Leading Edge segment, and I have Sean Dean as my guest today. And Sean runs the golf cart division for Dean Team Automotive. You guys have the largest custom inventory in the entire Midwest.
5: Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the things that separates is you can come and pick out what you want and take it home that day. Um, you know, usually at any given time, uh, we'll have anywhere from 40 to 50 plus carts in stock. Um, and then obviously sometimes during the spring and summer when people clean us out, <laughs> they, uh, it gets a little lower. But for the most part, we always have about 40, 50 carts, uh, for people to choose from.
1: And, and, Sean, let's talk a little bit about the Dean difference. I know one of the components of that is that you guys have this price market uh, matching guarantee.
5: Yes, yeah, so we actually a lot of different things. When I when I set out doing this and, and learn more about it, I wanted to get uh, into it heavy. Uh, and uh, we do all kinds of things, uh, including the, the price matching guarantee for a cart that's built similar to ours. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, that's just because we believe in the way we build them. Uh, so much that uh, that you you won't find anything that will match our cart. Uh, truthfully, uh, on top of that, we we give a 12 month warranty that's included. You don't pay for it; it's included in the cart. Uh, we have financing specials uh, as low as 3.99 on on pre-owned uh, refurbished carts, which you, you just don't see. Um, we build our carts completely ourselves, which I think it's huge because there's a lot of the places that don't. They just, you know, we'll take it right off a golf course and throw some wheels and tires on it and call it a day. And uh, we, we actually take them down a complete frame and rebuild them from frame up. Uh, so it's just a lot of quality goes into it, and that's what allows us to warranty them. Um, and then we even give customers uh, that buy carts from us monthly maintenance reminders. So every thirty days, we're telling them, you know, sending out videos of what they need to be doing and looking at, just so they get the best out of the product we're selling them.
1: And Sean, that's what I'm talking about. That's why you're on the leading edge segment, though, going above and beyond the the normal call of uh, customer service is what you guys are about.
5: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and that's honestly that's what the golf cart you know, to me, it's what it is. It's it's a uh, it's custom. It's it's high-end. It's, it's something that's fun. And uh, and, and people want to hop in them and go and have a good time. They don't want to be thinking of all that stuff. So we even have in-house service. So that way, you know, again, we can service our customers and, and uh, make sure that we're where they want to choose to buy from.
1: Well, hope you enjoyed this week's Leading Edge segment. That was Sean Dean. Stay tuned next week for a new guest on The Leading Edge.
5: We're halfway there.
0: It's time for the back nine on Golf with Jay Delsing. The back nine is brought to you by St. Louis Bank.
1: Welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing. Jay and John are here, and we are going right back to the uh, conclusion of the interview with Hank Haney. If you had to take a lesson from anybody, who would who would be who would the who would be the instructor you'd go to?
3: <laughs> oh man. Um, it, it, it would depend. Like if if, if I wanted to uh, play the best I possibly could with uh, what I've I've, I've got, um, then you know I would I would go to, to Butch Harmon because Butch Harmon is the greatest coach in, you know in the, in the history of the game. Because I always think you have to look and say um, you are what your record says you are, uh, and that would that would probably be. Be, be my choice for that. If I was looking to, uh, change something and trying to, you know, get better with, with my golf swing, then, you know, I would, I would go to to somebody that taught a, a philosophy that was, you know, similar to the one that, that I th- thought was, you know, best or, or, uh, you know, best for me. And then that way, you know, at least they would be, be speaking my, my language, you know? So, I mean, I just probably go right down, um, you know off the off the top of the, the list. and uh, you know I mean the, the list for me is, is, is you know it's not a, not a very long list, but uh, you know I mean, obviously I've got a lot of great teachers that I've trained over the years. But if we' you know looking outside of, of, of my staff, I mean I would probably start with Bob Kosky because I mean he's just a, a legend and I always like the way that that uh, that he taught the game, but Bob kosky, Jim Hardy, uh, you know David Leadbetter, Jim McLean. I mean, to, you know, to me those are the I- I- iconic uh, coaches in, in, in golf.
1: Yeah, boy, what a list! And and um, of uh, of all of the awards, Hank, I'm, I'm looking at your resume, and it's just impressive. There's so many Teacher of the Year awards in here; it's just crazy. Um, yeah. But in 2019, you got uh, voted into the World Golf Teachers Hall of Fame. In 2014, you're in the Texas. Golf Hall of Fame. I mean, all of these teachers. Are, the, are any of these awards more special than uh, than the other?
3: Ah, uh, Boy, I mean, you know, it's just a, a kind of culmination of a career. I mean, and, and, you know, and honestly, I just, you know, Jay, I've had great students. I mean, that's just, you know, you, you've got to do something with them. I'm not saying, you know, that you can just have a student and not do anything with them. But if you don't have a great student, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to, you know, get to, get to where I've, I've been able to, to get to. Um, you know, the, the World Golf Teachers Hall of Fame was was, was nice. Um, but, you know, the Texas uh, State Golf Hall of Fame, when you, when you know, when you look at, at the names in there, like, you know, Jackie Burke and, and Jimmy DeVere and Ben Hogan and Byron Nelson and Lee Trevino, and um, boy, oh boy. I mean, I, I, I kind of look at that one and I think, wow, I mean, that that's... Uh, <laughs> that, that's that. Well, that one was pretty special, I did man.
1: That's some that's some tall cotton to be hanging around with some of those folks. Crenshaw, yeah. kite. There's some modern day players yeah. in there as yeah. well.
3: Kent Crenshaw. I mean, I'm, I'm forgetting. So, I mean, like there's been so many great great uh, players in, in Texas. So that yeah, was like a, a huge huge honor.
1: Yeah, that's really neat, Hank. What do you think of the state of the game right now? The Tiger Woods effect, and you were right in the middle of the Tiger Woods effect. His is it's just kind of spiraled into this massive power golf.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's different. I mean, the game is different. I, I, you know, I don't know if it's better or it's worse. It's just different. I mean, I, you know, I don't see how it's going to change. Um, you know, they can talk about rolling the ball back or whatever they, they want to do, but I mean, it's still the longest hitter. is going to kind of still have an advantage. It was that way when Jack dominated, It's the same way when Tiger dominated. I always say golf you know your potential in golf is determined by how far you can hit the golf ball you hit it 150 yards you can play a nice game of golf but you're not going to be a, a single digit handicap you know you hit it you hit it 250 you can be a low handicap but you're not playing the pga tour you hit it 275 you can play the pga tour but you're sure not going to dominate the pga tour and so you know distance is so important and it you know it's gotten more so there's no doubt about that you know I don't know. I, you know, I I love the game. I mean, how it was, how it is, you know, I look at it more than just from a professional level. I mean, when people like criticize the game, oh, it's boring, they just bomb it and they hit it out. And I'm like, okay, well, that's like the one tenth of 1% of the golfer. You're talking about touring pros. I mean, what about the average player who plays the game? And there aren't any of those players that think the game is too easy or that want to, you know, hit the golf ball shorter the, the, one of the inhibiting factors of, of golf, and of course, you know, you're trying to grow the game, I'm trying to grow the game. I mean, there's there's certain things that are inherent with, with with growing the game that are that are tough, you know. And to me, the top of the list, many people put, you know, the fact that it takes a lot of time or that it's really expensive. But uh, the, to me, the the big thing is it's just a really hard game. It's 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 hard for people. It's hard for people to just get decent. So I'm kind of for whatever makes it a little bit easier for people to play the game because I want to see the game grow and flourish. And I don't, I don't think, like, such a big emphasis should be put on, like, touring pros. Like, you know, people are, like, all worried. Well, we can't play this course anymore or we can't play that course. I'm, well, you know, build some more tees or just go play another course. I mean, there's a lot of golf courses to play. You don't have to play this one or that one. I, I don't I don't think it's, it's necessarily bad. I mean, it's just different. And you know it's, it's it's still a great game, and I don't think that's ever going to change.
1: Yeah, I just got a couple more things. I really appreciate the time, Hank.
3: Any oh, sort, my pleasure.
1: Any sort of mulligan in golf and life. Um, if you had to do one thing over, anything come to mind?
3: Oh boy, um, you know, <laughs> teaching wise, uh, there was you know I look back like my my coaching tiger and the PGA at, at ball Strong, and I stood on the driving range and I thought, you know, because you, there's always this moment when you're watching the player like warm up and you, you know, I can, I can see everything, Jay. So I'm like, I, I know that, you know, okay, there's a, the swings looking a little like this and, you know, like I, I might be thinking, okay, the right ball is coming into play or the left ball is coming into play and as soon as I see that, I start thinking about, you know, what hole might be the problem, you know, my, Oh boy, you know, that last swing means there could be an issue on number 12 and number 16 or something like that. And, and I was standing on that tee. This is the only time this has really, you know, happened to me. I look back my whole coaching career, coaching players. And I, you know, I thought, do I say something? Do I not say something? Do I say something? Do I not say something? And I elected to not say something. And,
5: you know, rarely was
3: that the case, but I just, it was just a judgment call. You know, I thought, know, you know, if I say something, I might make it worse or bring in another mistake. And I, you know, maybe I I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let it go and see what happens. Anyway, Phil Mickelson won that term. Tiger played played good, uh, but not good enough. And I look back on that and I, and that was my regret when I coached I, you know, that day. Uh, I, I should have said something. And I saw a little something that wasn't right. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I didn't didn't say anything. That's the one thing that comes to mind, you know, coaching wise. As far as my career, I mean, I, you know, everything's been great. I, I don't you know, I don't look back. I mean, to be honest with you, I just I just look forward. I I, I um I, I'm not a, a guy that like you know has a lot of regrets. To be honest with you, because I just you know I, it's like the great thing about yesterday is that it's never going to happen again. You know, and then I just I just move on to tomorrow.
1: I love this statement, Hank, too, that the past doesn't equal the future. I mean, just because I did that, some of the things that happened to me golf-wise, you know, I, I you shake your head but go, I probably could never do that again, you know. So, like, like you said, I, I kind of share that. Uh, last question, um, of all of the awesome things that you've witnessed, is there any, is there the coolest, I mean, the Texas uh, Hall, the, the State of Texas Hall of Fame would be something yeah. special. Is there thing that sticks out in your mind as your coolest golf experience? And I mean, you have so many.
3: Oh, you know, uh, yeah. Mark O'Meara um, winning the Masters, uh, you know, 1998. I mean, easily number one. Because that's just the, uh, you know, I mean, Mark, when I first started coaching Mark, he was 124th on the 20 list on the PGA Tour. And, and then you know, two years later, he finished second on the money list, and everybody thought Hank Haney must know something. And then next thing you know, I was you know had a great teaching business. But you know, at that point, like in 1998, you know, it was like Mark might not ever win a major. And and then you know, he wins the the, the Masters. You know, I think he was 41 or something. And he went you know, he backs it up with the with the Open Championship. But um, that was. You know that that was that was it. You know, for for me, as as far as like a, a moment. But I mean, I and I guess I would probably say the fact when Mark got elected to the World Golf Hall of Fame too, because I you know I felt like you know that was somebody that like you know it's one thing if you coach Tiger Woods. I mean, Co- Tiger Woods was great before I ever helped him. Um, I mean, I helped him improve his win percentage. I helped him improve his top ten percentage, and his statistical improvement was was notable when I helped him. But It's different than coaching Mark O'Mara from the beginning and then having him get elected to the World Golf Hall of Fame. So when you're a coach, um, you know, I mean, it's nice. uh, Don't get me wrong. I mean, being the Texas Golf Hall of Fame is incredible. Being the World Golf Teachers Hall of Fame is incredible. But none of it compares to seeing uh, Mark O'Mara make the World Golf Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, that uh, you know what? There were certain guys that you competed with, and some guys you liked more than others. Mark Mir is one of my favorites. He was always kind, always felt like he was such a genuine, authentic dude, and it was always fun to see him do well.
3: Yeah, and he always, he always, he always. I, I, I'd always talk to man, you're a great player. said, Hank, I'm not a great player. And he said, I'm a good player. I'm a really, you know. I said, no, you're a great player. I mean, you know, won all these tournaments and that, and then, when he got elected to the World All Hall of Fame, I texted him. I said, "Well, but they don't have any good players in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> they only got great ones in there." Yeah.
1: And he probably still said he was a good player, knowing Mark. Yeah, Wolfe.
3: yeah, yeah, I said, "Jack's Jack's a great player. Tiger's a great player. I'm a good player."
1: So that was pretty pretty neat. Um, Hank was about as engaging as I've ever heard him. In that interview,
2: I thought it was great. I, I thought the whole interview was great. I think there's just so much history there. He's seen so much of the change of golf and kind of front and center of it. Uh, and just done so much from from a player to an instructor to the to the big golf ranches to instructing the top player and players in the world. And I thought he was pretty dang humble about a lot of that piece of it, too. I, I liked a lot of things he said.
1: Yeah, going through a double knee replacement so. and uh, got to be tough to do that. And he's also got a six year old.
2: Which is tougher, double, double knee replacement or six year old. a six-year-old? i think <laughs> six-year-old. By a long thinking? shot. At 64 years old? I think so.
1: Um, well, that's going to wrap up the back nine segment. Doster, Olem,
4: and Boyle LLC are a proud sponsor of golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The firm was started in January 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olem, and John Boyle, three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. The firm was founded on the shared view that success should be measured by client and community satisfaction, not profits for partner. The firm's focus is on business, real estate, corporate finance and restructuring, and succession planning. Since its founding in 2015, Doster Olam and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with a combined value in excess of over 1 billion dollars. For decades, Doster Olam and Boyle lawyers have been recognized as leaders in their practice areas by their peers. Doster Olam and Boyle LLC, extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.
1: Are the words community, trust, and civic pride important to you? How important to you? Are those words when choosing who you'd like to do business with? If you're like me, then they're very important. Enter St. Louis Bank. These keywords are part of the cornerstone on which St. Louis Bank was founded. This bank is locally owned, and these guys live in our community. Did you know there's a new group of leaders at St. Louis Bank? This new group has doubled down on their commitment to St. Louis, being more involved and in getting to know any like-minded person that shares these same values. St. Louis Bank wants to build something big together. When it comes to trust and honesty, don't take my word for it. You'll have to see for yourself. Look for the new locations in Edwardsville opening March 2020 and one at Highway 40 in Hanley coming April of 2020. You can call them at 314 851 Reach them at stlouisbank.com or stop by their current location on South Outer 40 in town and country. And remember, St. Louis Bank wants to move your business forward together. I want to tell you about a strength training fitness program that helped me and that can help you. It's called 20 Minutes to Fitness. They have two locations, one in Clayton and one in Chesterfield. Every time you go to the gym with 20 Minutes to Fitness, you work with a professional trainer. They take you through specific machines and with specific exercises that are designed to help your golf game. We're talking about strength, flexibility, and those two components are huge to help you improve your game. Visit 20 com. Your first session is absolutely free. Get off the couch and get in shape. I want to thank Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring my show, Golf with Jay Delsing. There's 90 holes of golf at Whitmore. If you join out at Whitmore, you get privileges at the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, Golf Club of Wentzville, and all the cart fees are included in that membership. There's no food and beverage minimums and no assessments ever. They've got a great 24-hour fitness center, a large pool complex, three tennis courts, a year-round social calendar that is rocking out at Whitmore. There's kids' clubs, junior golf, junior tennis, Swim team available for your children. This is a family-friendly atmosphere, a wonderful staff, and you've got to go to the golf shop and visit my friend, Bummer. He is an absolute treat. Don't forget about the golf leagues, their skin games, members tournaments. Bummer and the staff out of Whitmore are continually running cool and fun golf events for you and your family. Visit their website at whitmoregolf.com.
0: Grab your friends a cold one and pull up a chair We're on to the 19th hole on golf With Jay Delsing
1: Welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing I'm your host Jay I've got John here with me And we are on the 19th hole segment um, I hope you enjoyed that uh, Hank Haney interview It was really fun to do and Listen to uh, one of the world's greatest teachers Talk about some of his experiences uh, We've got an episode of Whack and Chase That uh, we hope you enjoy
4: Guys, believe it or not, somebody actually wants your help. Believe it or well, not. What does that mean? Well, oh, I'm just wow. saying. Just Dude, saying. Wow. Aaron is
6: with us now for
2: Whack and Chase.
6: Aaron, how you doing? Hey. I'm doing good, guys. Hey, it's Aaron from Scranton, Pennsylvania. How are you guys?
2: Pennsylvania. Put another me, tack up. Out? Put another tack up on the uh on the on the map. Uh, I think that's uh seven states now we got covered, baby. I got it at sixteen, but that's okay. We'll oh, let sure. somebody else count. <laughs> I wasn't very good at counting at this thing. Hey, Aaron, thanks so
1: much for calling in.
6: Hey, not a problem. Hey, I got a question for you guys. Yep. Uh, you know, we've been seeing so much about slow play. And uh, like a lot of people, you know, I kind of lied to my wife about how long golf rounds take, <laughs> you know, because I, I kind of like to have beer on some You tell it takes four and a half hours. You know, it's supposed to take three and a half, right? And so you get up there on the tee and, you know, everybody, you know, we got John over here who's uh, lined up for his fifth putt on the third hole. And, uh, you know, ha- ha- first off, how do you guys address
2: slow play at uh, your own home country clubs? Well, now, wait a second. You, you need time to think about that? Or are we going to have to ask him a second question? Because that's a good topic. We should just maybe roll on a little bit here. Slow that for sure. That slow play is... Um, the scourge.
1: It is. It's one of the things that, personally, I can't stand the most. I, um, if, if it's a guy that I know pretty well, Aaron, I'll... The group will go up to him and say, you got to go faster. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going as fast as I can. It's like, you're not ready to play when it's your turn. You're dilly-dallying. You're playing with your towel. You're doing something else. You know, uh, someone's over there lining up their putt. You need to be lining up your putt, too, so that you don't have to be so taken aback by the time yeah, it's your you're turn Yeah, because
2: you're cutting into Aaron's uh, beer time. That's the bottom line here, right? Well, that's what we're trying that, to solve, that, right? How to get and, Aaron and that, more beer
1: time. And
6: that's my exact problem, you know. Because right. my wife, she thinks four and a half hours I'm supposed to be home, and you know I want to be done three and a half. Well,
2: you know, sometimes <laughs> your car runs out of gas.
6: Yeah. You... Well, I've had I've had that problem too. Have you uh, used yeah.
2: that? I'm sure there's a. Few... What are a few other excuses you've used on why you were going to be some late? some of the best? What are the best? What's your best? What's your go-to, Aaron?
6: Oh, I mean, I've had an arm cut off.
2: Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've had fifteen
6: grandma's pass away. Uh, I, I think, frankly, I've got a really good one. I think she knows I'm lying to her though.
1: Oh, I don't think she knows. No, No. not with the arm cut off and 15 No, arms regenerate all the time. (laughs) That's exactly
6: right. That's what I keep telling her. (laughs) I I do have a serious question for you guys, though. Okay, let Um, her rip. You know, with the idea of the Pro Tour and how things, as far as speed of play goes, is is there any movement, or do you guys think there's any movement on letting them use rangefinders?
1: That's a great question. I... We've talked about this I don't know how many times. Now, you can use, they let them use rangefinders in the amateur levels. Yep. The USGA has signed yep. off. Aaron, I think in the next, within the next five years, they'll be approved for the PGA Tour. It just doesn't make any, any sense not to. We can use them in the practice rounds. We can use them in the pro-ams. It, it doesn't make any sense not to be able to use them. So I, I really think they will, and I really think that'll help speed up play. Even if you can just pick up a minute or two a group, it makes a huge difference.
2: What the heck is a caddy going to do? Who's going to stand by here? And, and I know what's going to happen. I'll tell you exactly what's gonna going to absolute uh, exactly absolute. happen. Absolutely, caddies are going to be absolutely. we going to have robots out no, there. No, they're going to still caddy, and they're going to say we're just going to cut your so so uh, cut your cut uh, your cut your Achilles cut, tendon. No, cut your, your pay in half. Cut cut the uh, the, the fees. pay. Yeah, exactly. Cut the feedback. Uh, <laughs> well. The
6: real trick, though, is, is I'm trying to become a caddy on pro tour, but I have no idea what I'm doing. So if I figure if I had a green book and a a gun, I could pretty well figure it out.
2: Yeah, and then you, and you have those things, and they have those things, and now you're not going to get paid. You're going to get you're going to tote around. It's going to be like back in the college days when we would caddy for uh, Mrs. Havisham, and she would pay <laughs> uh, seven dollars and fifty cents, uh, and I'd carry doubles for fifteen bucks, and they'd give me like a quarter. For a tip, that's what it's going to be like. And uh, Kuchar next time is going to pay that uh, Hispanic uh, caddy down in Mexico, instead of paying him uh, two thousand dollars, he's going to want to pay him nine hundred and fifty. That's true. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, Unbelievable. Really okay, Aaron, true. we still got. We love those questions, but give us give Jay a golf question relative to your game, your swing, your approach. Something that he that might stump him that you need to know.
6: Sure. So one, I'm about an eight handicap. And uh, I I have at least two or three duffs around the green. And the the guys that I play with locally who are a lot better, they talk about where they put the ball at. Uh, They also talk about the concept of bounce. Uh, What's your traditional setup when it comes to around the green and stopping from doing that little dig into the ground, your club stops, and it goes two feet
2: Okay, Jay's up off his seat, pacing back and forth, trying to figure out how in the heck he's going to answer that question. So here's how we do this. I'm going to ask you a couple questions that will give him more insight to you so that he can better give you the answer that you need. So my first question is, would you rather be fishing, hunting, or golfing if you had a choice of what you're going to do as your priority?
6: Well, if I'm on a golf show, I'm going to say golfing. But in real life, I'm probably going to say fishing.
2: Fishing. So give me, I'm a fisherman, too. What, what, what do you like to fish for, Aaron?
6: Uh, crappie, bass, anything that involves a moving lure.
2: Uh, absolutely. A little Midwest guy. I love that right there. Okay. Awesome. We gotta, i got to dig up one more because he's still pacing. He doesn't quite have the answer that he's looking for. Uh, what's, the, what's, the, what's the funniest thing you've ever seen on a golf course? Funniest thing that I've ever seen
6: on a golf course was my best friend hitting out of the sand trap. Me betting my buddy that he would a dollar that he wouldn't be on the green. He ends up scolding it, hitting me in the shoulder. The ball drops on the green, and I owed my buddy a dollar. <laughs> 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 and that's not a that's not a joke. That happened. I was I was more upset about owing him a dollar than I was about getting than that bruise on his shoulder.
2: <laughs> your full
6: speed hit.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, one more thing, so Jake and. Uh answer that question. Give us a little bit about, are you a big guy? Are you a little guy? Are you athletic? Obviously, you're a low handicap. Give Jay a little bit of feedback there so he can kind of give you a sense of what kind of shot he's wanted to talk to you about.
6: Sure. So, I mean, if you were a random stranger, you saw me, saw me on the street, you would say, that's a rather large man.
2: Okay. Uh, okay. How big is large, Aaron? How big is large? Uh, I'm about
6: 6'5". Uh, nice. You know, I, played some, I played some college basketball.
2: So nice. I'm
6: a little bit athletic, but Obviously, like everybody, I eat probably five too many donuts every morning.
2: Okay, okay. Well, I can see Jay. He settled back in his seat. He's got a big smile on his face, so he is ready to solve. So, Aaron, one of the so I, the sports,
1: uh, the short game is my specialty. I, I absolutely love it. And you brought up a, you were born
2: a great short game player, weren't you, Jay? No.
1: Okay. My dad had a description of my 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 short game. I'll clean it up a little bit because we're trying to be a family show. He said, "Son, your your short game is either um, penthouse or outhouse." Those were neither <laughs> of the words he used, and I so I was either really good or re- really bad. And and um, you you mentioned the concept bounce, and most amateurs, Aaron, don't really have an, any idea how to play with the bounce on their wedge, and. Um, When you're hitting balls fat and you're hitting balls thin, it's basically the same thing that's getting in the way, and that's the leading edge. That's the very front edge of the wedge that should be sliding under the ball if you're coming in at a decent angle of approach. One of the challenges, because I'm six foot five as well, um, is that you need to be shallow which means coming from uh, um, a little more in and around you on those wedges. And it is not easy when you're taller.
2: It's, and the, So you want the blade low to the ground for as long as you can. Is that yeah, what you mean you, by shell? Yeah, you do, and, it's gonna
1: go, and, and what's interesting is that the short game doesn't take a huge amount of power. It takes almost no power. We really don't want our lower body. Uh, we want it stabilized and staying, our shoulders kind of staying on top of our feet and our our knees and hips and, and just um, – um, the bounce, the great example of the bounce is when you're in a bunker. Can you play bunker shots well, Aaron?
6: Oh, i was just absolutely horrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> well, so this goes hand in hand in hand. Okay. So I'm going to tell you how to use this this uh, your 60 degree in a in a in a bunker, and, and explain to you where the bounce comes in. So I want you to get in a bunker next time and I want you to draw a line behind the ball about two inches behind the ball. And then I want you to make this line and I want you to get rid of the ball because we've got to practice hitting with the bounce of your wedge on that line with a little bit of an up and down motion. Okay, just a slight up and down motion. But I want you to take the bounce, which is the very bottom of the club. You'll look under at the bottom of your sandwich and there's a flange under there. It's, a, it's, a, it's unmistakable. It's the very bottom of your club. And I want you to take that club and that part of the wedge, and I want you to try to hit it on that line, almost like slap it on the sand. It's going to be like slapping it or spanking it on the sand like that. And what happens is the wedge is made, Aaron, to to basically slap the sand, move through it, and get the ball up in the air. And so by using that bounce and driving that bounce into the sand, the wedge goes right underneath the ball, and that's what you have to do when you're in. Um, grass around the greens. You have to let the bounce hit behind the ball coming from a little shallower angle attack than in a, in a bunker, and having it move right through there. What happens, Aaron, is you get anxious, and then you start helping the thing up, and you try to lift it with your hands, you will lift it with your upper body, you'll, you'll get in the way of it and just mess this thing up. And so what we do with the bounce is, we just keep our body there, we use the bounce, and we let the club move right on through, like the ball's not even there, and the club does all the work.
2: So we get comfortable in the bunker, and then start moving outside. Maybe hit three or four bunker shots, yep. one or two outside, three yep. or four bunker shots, and keep doing that first things first grab that club and lighten up on your
1: grip because i know you're going to be white knuckling that thing because anxiety does that to us you're going to be squeezing the hell out of it so if you're currently squeezing it as hard as you can i want you to go half that hard and then once you feel like what half of that art is, go half of that hard. So it's going to change. If you're squeezing it at a ten, it's going to put you down as like a three or four, and that's going to help you get some feel, Aaron. Because you got to be soft and supple and let your hands do the work around the green.
2: And one other key part, though, to this super key part, your best buddy in the group, get him right on the other side of the pin. So when you skull the crap out of it, it hits him in the shoulder, drops <laughs> on the green, and you got a shot to make it bar. Absolutely. And don't <laughs> ask him
1: about insurance or anything.
2: <laughs> is that something you think you can do,
1: Aaron?
6: I, 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 that is wonderful advice. I appreciate that, guys.
1: Well, this is how we end these segments. First of all, thanks so much for calling in, and if this helps you, tell everybody where you got it. Right here I will do that. J. Delson Golf at uh, Whack and Chase. But, Aaron, you keep sculling and fatting that thing, tell them we never met.
6: <laughs> well, I appreciate
1: your guys' time you. and advice. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Well, that's going to wrap up the Whack and Chase episode, and this show. Um, John and I appreciate you listening. Me, thank you so much for um, uh, keeping us together, working the board for us. Uh, We will talk to you next week. Hit them straight, St. Louis. This is Golf with Jay Delsing.
0: That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime, you can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com as well as at JDelsingGolf.com.
3: Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music...